moment and pray as we come before the Lord. Father, thank you that you are always with us. You're a God who never leaves us. You're a God who never forsakes us. And Lord, we ask today that you continue to help us allow you to be more present in our life. So Lord, we thank you that you meet us no matter where we are. We thank you that we meet you in a time of worship and adoration. We thank you that we meet you in your word. So let our hearts be open right now. Lord, give us ears to hear the things you want to speak. And Lord, we anticipate coming to meet you in the breaking of the bread. So Father, move and work in us so that we can leave here different from the way we came in. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All of us have a message, a mission, and a ministry. Every one of us. But the question is, what's driving that forward? The world has a message, a mission, and a ministry, just as the kingdom does. And the question for us is, what is that? What is that message, what is that mission, and what is that ministry? And we're going to look at how that was unfolded and how Isaiah gives us this word. But often we begin to listen more to the one that's the loudest, not the thing that's the truth. And the world can be really loud, that, you know, that the enemy has a plan. I don't know if you know that or not. And, and, and he's got a message, and he's got a mission, and he's got a ministry. And that's to keep you from God's plan. But yet the Lord has this for us, and that we have to understand what that is and get hold of that. And as we read in the prophet Isaiah, that he had this message, and his message was a prophetic one to the Israelites. Um, the Israelites were rebellious people, and he found uh, that their, their hypocrisy was repulsive, that, that there, there was too much indecision. They were with God, then not with God, and yet he continued with the mission that God put before him. He continued to be the voice of truth for God to the Israelites, to those people. And the entire book of Isaiah really revolves what's known as a remnant theology, and a remnant theology is, is simply this. It's the judgment of the wicked and the salvation for the faithful. That continues throughout the scriptures. We see where the, the, the tribes are separated. We see where Gideon's army is down to this small remnant of what God's going to use. We see that when Christ preaches about being a disciple and a follower of him and begins to really cut to the quick of what that looks like, people start leaving. And it gets down to this remnant, to this, to this smaller group. And that happens throughout the course of church history even. That we'll see that. that, that are, am, I, am I making that step forward in where Christ is calling me? What is that message, that mission, and that ministry that he has for us? And Isaiah's ministry part was that he offered himself to God. He said, here I am, Lord, send me. That he offered himself in a way, Lord, for whatever that is, do your ministry through me. And Isaiah continues in 61 verse 1 through 4, this verse that we would be familiar with, this prophetic verse, that, that, that something that we've heard before. And where we've heard it before is in the New Testament. Matter of fact, it was the first sermon that Jesus ever gave in his hometown of Nazareth. So when he comes back and, and, and he's asked to come and, and preach or, or read in the synagogue, and here's historically what happens. In the synagogue, they would take someone, select someone each week, and they would ask him to come and read a text that was meaningful to them. 
And they would get up and they would read that text and then someone else would come next and then they would give a teaching to follow that. That was part of their tradition. That's part of what they did. And here Jesus is back in his hometown around 30 years old and they're saying, well, it'd be great to have Jesus pick a text. We haven't seen him in some time. What doesn't he read? And whether he chose it or they handed him the book of Isaiah, but he opens up that scroll and he begins to read and he begins to read from this very text of Isaiah. And where that picks up is in Luke chapter 4, where he reads word for word, and he, and he says this in Luke 4.18, these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, Jesus stopped at Isaiah 2b. He doesn't read the whole thing. And he stopped for a reason. And the reason he stops there is because what was happening in that moment, this is the first advent. This is the first coming that's to take place. That, that here he is, and they're given the greatest sermon illustration ever. It was Jesus himself. The one reading it was the one to come, the Messiah. And here he is reading these words, and, and they're hearing these words for the first time from the one who the words were about. And it's being revealed to them. Where it picks up in Isaiah after 2b, the reason Jesus stopped, because it has everything to do with his second coming. That fulfillment, that he was going to come again finally to judge both the living and the dead. But he reads the first part because that is the coming that they need to pay attention to. That's what's happening right now, that Jesus reads these words, and the scripture says their eyes were upon him like it was something different. Meaning that like the week before, the guy who read a scripture, they were like, well, he read it differently. I'm sure it had more to do than just being a good reader. It had everything to do with the Spirit of the Lord being upon him. And that revealing to them. And you ever have those moments in your life that something's different? You're talking to God, you're reading a scripture, or, or someone speaks into your life away into your life in a certain way that that's different than before. Well, that was what was happening to them. He's in his hometown, he's asked, he picks this verse to read, and he begins to read it, and they're hearing it unlike they've ever heard it before. And in Luke 4:21, he continues, and it says. And he began to say to them, after he read that, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, that prophetic word 700 plus years ago, right now, is being fulfilled in your life. And that's why their eyes were open. That's why they, they gave ears to hear in a different way. That's why when I pray week after week is that as we come to worship the Lord that our hearts would be open, that he's present, but that we'd be more present, that we'd hear something in a way we didn't hear it before, that that revelation would be made known to us as that revelation was made known to them. Matter of fact, it was made known so much so they tried to kill him right after. Who does he think he is? Let's get him out of town and stone him to death. Thanks for the hometown welcoming. Something was different when he read that. See, this advent, this coming of Jesus was being fulfilled right before their very eyes. Jesus is very clear when he reads Isaiah 61. He's very clear. What he's making clear is the message, he's making clear the mission, and he's making clear the ministry of why he came. And it all could be summed up in those words of Isaiah. I think as the church, what we have to do is 
is pause a moment and say, what is our message, our mission, and our ministry? Not just as a church collectively, but as a people of God, because each one of us have one that that was going to be passed on. What we understand in reading the scriptures is that it is being fulfilled. And each of us have a part to play and a role to play. And when Jesus read Isaiah, unlike anyone ever read that scripture before, and the Holy Spirit, which was upon him, began to reveal it to them in a way that it was never revealed before, he was laying those very words out for us individually and as a church collectively. As the people of God, he's saying, all right, here's the message that you need to understand. Here's the message the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, the good news of the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus did over and over and over again. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God. And the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. What I want to encourage you today is with that message, when you leave here, wherever you go for a cup of coffee or, or, or you stop by a store, I want you to stop in the middle of the store and just yell that out, Spirit of the Lord's upon me! He's anointed me to bring the good news. One of two things happen. People will turn. Their eyes will be open unlike they were ever open before. Or you'll be arrested. It's one of the two. Go with God. But it's that kind of stirring that happens. And that we have to be willing to hear. That's the message. The message can't be watered down. It's a message of truth. It's a message of love. It's a message of grace. It's a message of mercy. It's a message of forgiveness. It's a message of reconciliation. It's a message that promises an eternal life. That's the message, and it comes with the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus was not just preaching the gospel, the good news. He was anointed to do so. Do you know that you are anointed to preach that gospel as well? That you don't have to do it alone. See, there's a difference in how we live our life with Christ. And, and what I mean by that is that you can walk in that power of the Spirit in your life where you could ignore it. We have a choice to make. What happens when we welcome His Spirit into our life, it's going to make you do things you're uncomfortable doing. It's going to make you step out in faith in ways that you wouldn't step out in faith. It's a little scary. But allowing that power, allowing him into our life, and that's why it begins in the message that it's the Spirit of the Lord that's upon me. And the Spirit of the Lord that's upon us will take what's impossible and make it possible for our lives. But it'll also help us bring it into others' lives. And that's what we're called in this message. Then there's this mission that takes place. Same thing from Isaiah. And the mission is that he sent me. And it's being fulfilled in their, in their eyes. So imagine he's reading this for the first time. And he's saying, he sent me. Jesus is saying, I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. That I'm here to proclaim freedom, liberty to the captives. To recover the sight of those who are blind. To set free that liberty to those who are oppressed. Here's the mission that's before us. That mission hasn't changed. That's the same mission we're still called to fulfill today as the people of God, that we're to continue in his ministry. Our mission is this divine activity of the sovereign God, that, that his, we get to participate in God's awesomeness. How cool is that? Or we can reject it. But I choose to get with it. I, I want his awesomeness because my awesomeness can't compare. 
but that divine power that can be activated in our lives by allowing him to work in our lives to participate in the mission that he's called us to, together to do. And, 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 and we have to expect to see his mighty hand at work in our lives. If you don't expect it, it won't happen. If you begin to expect it, we begin to see it happen by knowing the message, knowing his mission, that, that we're called as a people of God to bring healing to those who are broken. That we're called to continue in his ministry to proclaim freedom to those who are captive. Do you know some people in your life that are held captive right now? They're in bondage right now, that they're dealing with addiction right now, that they're dealing with brokenness right now, that they're dealing with a, a struggling marriage right now, that you're dealing with a prodigal son right now, that whatever the right now is, that there's, there's a captivity going on, there's no freedom. But Christ came to set us free. And that's what's in this message of Isaiah. And that's what Jesus is proclaiming. And we're the extension of that, to set those who are oppressed free by that message, by following through with that mission. And then here's the ministry. Here's what takes place. The ministry is the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that is when Jesus came, when Mary gave birth, God became man and dwelt among us. That's the inbreaking of heaven coming to earth. And forever earth was transformed as a result of that. That God fulfilled this heavenly promise that would take place. And there's this inbreaking of the kingdom of God becoming present in our life. The spirit of God becoming present of our life. And that's the, the ministry that takes place. The ministry is to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And what I mean by that is right now, we're in that acceptable year of the Lord or that season or that time. Why? Because a few weeks ago I talked about three advents. First advent was the birth of Christ, the feast of the nativity that we'll celebrate in a few weeks. The second advent is right now, him coming into our lives and having that relationship. The third advent is he will come again. And in this advent season, in this time right now, is to proclaim that good news, to set the captive free, to come into that relationship. That's what was happening right now. And that ministry is carrying out the message and mission that we're called to do. That's the ministry part. The ministry is fulfilling what he's called us to do. And our ministry begins at home with our family. That's where it starts. And then the ministry from family moves into our workplace, and then it goes to our neighbors, and it goes to, our stra to, to strangers, to those that we encounter. That's the ministry of God, is to take Isaiah's text 61, 1 through 2, and live it out as the people of God. And here's the truth. I hope that makes you uncomfortable. Why do I hope that? Because then you're walking by faith in the power of God to reveal things and, and do things in your life in ways he, he, he wouldn't let him do it before. That it's a way to meet Christ in a way that you weren't meeting him before. See, the Lord's favor is on the faithful. And we want to be faithful to walk in his favor and what he's calling us to do. His spirit in our lives is that anointing, is that empowerment of the Lord working in us and the Lord working through us. In Isaiah, he writes this about the Lord, 43 verse 16. He says, thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. That he makes a way in the sea and a path through mighty waters. See, Jesus ultimately makes a way even for us when there seems to be absolutely no way. That's, that's what happens. That's the inbreaking. That's the making away. And Jesus calls us 
to participate in that. He's calling us to be waymakers, just like Isaiah, just like John, just like the disciples and the prophets who've gone before us. Isaiah, uh, when John said in the gospel today that, that, that I'm here to prepare a way, to make a path for what, what the king is going to do next. And we too get to prepare that way or participate in that way. Charles Spurgeon said this, The Lord will make a way for you where no foot has gone before. That which like a sea threatens to drown you will be a highway for your escape. See, it was the very thing that tried to separate me from eternity with God that brought me to God. You look at the sea and the Israelites and everything is closing in around them. It's going, we're doomed. There is no way. We don't have time to build a boat. I'm not that good of a swimmer. And they're closing in on us. I can hear the chariots and the horses coming. We're doomed. Not only would we go back to slavery, they'll, they'll slaughter us. See, and we face that very thing. We face that sea or that circumstance that threatens us. Yet the Lord will use that same circumstance to create a way to escape through it. We just have to be willing to meet him there. We have to be willing to say, Lord, meet me in that moment. I'm so grateful in my life that he met me in that, that he made a way in my life when nothing else could make a way. And I tried. The world failed to prove it for me. But there was one who showed me a way. And that was Jesus. There was one who loved me when no one else would love me that way. There was one who forgave me when no one could forgive me that way. There was one who promised me that if you'll surrender your life, I'll give you an eternal life. See, all those things that were impossible in that moment, I couldn't believe there was a way out. Yet Jesus not only parted the sea, he said, why don't you go ahead and walk across it? That's what he does. And that's what he continues to do. And that same message in Isaiah is something that we're called to live out as a people of God. We're all called to share in this message, mission, and ministry of Jesus. You're that extension of Christ. And, and we have to have that message in our hearts. We have to know the mission that he's calling us to. And then we have to walk in the ministry to fulfill those very things. He left this awesome work for the church, for his people. And you know what he's calling his people to be? He's calling you to be waymakers, just as he made a way. Are you willing today to be a waymaker for Jesus? Because there's someone in your life who needs to find a way. There's someone, we have a sibling, a friend, a spouse, a neighbor, a coworker. They're lost. They don't, they're hopeless. The sea, it's impossible to cross for them in their life. And, it, and Jesus is saying, hey, why don't you tell them the way? Why don't you share that message? Why don't you minister to them and lead them and show them that it becomes possible for them? We're that extension of Jesus' message, mission, and ministry. That's what the church is called to do. We're to proclaim the freedom and forgiveness to others, to proclaim that new life in Christ Jesus. That's why I'm excited right now during Advent, we're doing this impact challenge. The impact challenge is to activate us to fulfill that call in each of our lives, to live out the message, mission, and ministry of Christ. That's why we're doing it. And, and you know what's sad? The sad part is, as we're sending out the reminder every day, I'm like, oh yeah, every day. Oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. 
oh yeah, I'm reminded that, that everything is not centered around me. It's about other people. Oh yeah, and that little bit of conviction that comes forth is kind of healthy for me in my life. Because I've got to rely on him. I've got to be reminded he made a way in my life. And then he calls me to make a way in others' lives. And those I encounter, we're all called. Everyone sitting here right now, everyone watching online, Jesus wants you to be that way maker for others, to bring that message, to bring that mission forward, to bring that ministry of the Lord. And as the Lord has made a way in our life, so too are we called to go make a way in others' lives. Here's the word I have for you today. When you leave from this place, wherever you go, remember, Spirit of the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or go for it, either way. When you leave here, here's the prayer. Lord, make me a way maker. And then go be that way maker for others. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've made a way in our life. Lord, thank you for what you were willing to do. Suffer, endure, take upon yourself so that we can have an eternal life with you. We're so grateful. So Lord Jesus... Help us to be that extension of that ministry you continue to call the people of God to do. Empower my brothers and sisters, Lord, with your spirit. Let your spirit be upon them to bring that message that you call them to bring. That we would be waymakers for you, Lord. Now, the most important thing right now is that first, Jesus has made a way into your life. And maybe the sea is there and it's impossible, it seems to cross and everything is closing in around you in your life. All it takes is to call upon his name for him to begin to make that way. So what do we do? We repent, we turn. I tried to make my own way, my own path. It wasn't working. I let him into my life and he began to make that new way. So it starts with that relationship that he calls us to. And if you're sitting here in person, you're watching online, you haven't asked Christ in your life in that way, I wanna invite you to a prayer. Allow his spirit to come in your heart and transform your life as a result of coming to know who he is. And if you'd like to pray with me to know him that way, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I open my heart. I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that and you're here in person, you're watching online, here's the most important thing you need to do. You need to tell someone. And I just prayed this prayer to ask the Lord in my life. And please let us know online. You can click a button. Here, you can let us know on your way out. Stop by the kiosk. There'll be a host there. Why? Because we want to help you uh, begin to grow in God's purpose and plan for your life. Amen? Peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with a sign of God's peace.